you're under threat, like seeing a you know tiger in the jungle, there's often an instant sort of startle response where the whole body sort of freezes for a moment to look at you know what to do, and then often there's this fight, flight, surge of adrenaline. But if you really can't fight, if the predator's bigger than you and faster than you, and you can't get away, this freeze response kicks in where people become immobilized and that's helpful sometimes for people who've gone through trauma if they've frozen thinking what happened well actually it's your body's way of trying to keep you safe you're listening to the wisdom for well-being podcast the show that blends science and heart to bring you evidence-based tips and tricks for cultivating a healthy wealthy and meaningful life now, here's your host, therapist, yogi, and fellow full-life balancer, Dr. Caitlin Harkis. Hi there, welcome to Wisdom for Wellbeing. Today, I am delighted to introduce you to Dr. Gregory Smith. Today, we are talking all things around breathing, pranayama, whatever language you would like to use, as Greg has recently published the book, Purposeful Breathing. I am really blessed that Greg is actually based here in Adelaide, South Australia. So I'm able to work with him as a colleague to be able to catch up for coffees and talk all things mind-body connection and psychology fairly regularly. But to give you a little bit of a background so that you can get the sense of where Greg is coming from himself, he is a psychologist who has worked for more than 30 years in brief, empowering ways to help people experiencing difficulties with anxiety depression, trauma, and all kinds of life crises. And the more time has gone on, the more he has refined some simple skills for helping with a range of difficulties, and very central to this has been the use of conscious breathing. Greg has also worked as a lecturer in counseling and psychotherapy, and has taught these skills over several years to graduate students. Now, the other path to these ideas comes from a lifelong love of yoga. A central part of yoga is pranayama, the art and science of breathing and life energy. So perhaps not surprisingly, Greg is a qualified yoga teacher, and in recent years, he has studied the exciting developments through which Western science is beginning to provide explanations for many of the things that are known experientially through yoga and other practices in the East for so long. Greg has a doctorate which explored inspiration in everyday life, and as I mentioned earlier, he's the author of the recently published book, Purposeful Breathing. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Dr. Smith now. Hi Greg, thank you so much for sitting down and having a conversation on Wisdom for Wellbeing with me today. Yeah, thanks Caitlin, good to be here. And it's nice because often I do these interviews over Zoom, so it is actually really delightful that we're actually sitting down in person in Adelaide, Australia right now, which is a unique experience for me. Yeah, good, good. So I guess just as listeners are kind of coming in and getting to know who you are, would you mind just giving us a bit of an overview of the wonderful work that you're doing and kind of what What's inspired you on this path towards purposeful breathing? Um, so I'm a psychologist and I've been doing psychology for many years now and um, you know doing therapy with clients and also teaching at different times uh, other counsellors and um, I also I've always had an interest in um, simple ways of trying to help people and I've had a long interest in mind-body links so as well as being a psychologist I've trained as a yoga teacher and have taught yoga at times and pursued a lot of that and, and been really interested in the interfaces between the two and over the years I've just found that I've often taught people who come in particularly with anxiety um, some simple breathing skills that um, you know, they often get a bit surprised by, you know, how quickly they can be effective for calming down and sort of being able to focus. And then over the years, I've been really interested in sort of expanding that, that link um, with how the breath might be used for a range of different purposes. And of course, in yoga, the breath is a very cent- central thing as well, both in matching the breath to movement and to meditation. It's really interesting that breathing really crosses these bounds. You know, if we were thinking of yoga and psychology as these discrete entities, it doesn't really work like that, does it? You know, breath has become so well supported as a tool for us when we're experiencing 
mental distress or ill health, but then I think yoga brings this component of breath being used for really moving towards a state of thriving and a real, you know, pivot point in well-being. Yeah, so I think it, it can work on the full spectrum for the breath. For if you if there are problems, that often it can really help to sort of stabilize and overcome the problems. And then yoga is more the other end of the scale of using different types of breath for you know self-actualizing and um, you know health and um, really enhancing health and and also um, linked with meditation, like for really good sort of states yeah. you know, to move into a positive experience which is something i imagine no one can have not heard about you know the benefits of meditation and you yeah. know knowing that breath is a, a component of that and an important component of of these practices yeah absolutely one concept that i really like is the idea of modes i think because i think often in the west we get used to thinking and, and there's a big tradition of thinking of mind and body as quite separate mm-hmm. we have certain thoughts and you know we have you know, body, you know, reactions and physical movement. But I, but I like the idea of modes that when we're actually in the process of living or talking like we are today, we're always in a certain mode. And within that, different ways of feeling and thinking and relating and perceiving, you know, are all happening at once and are interrelated. And then as part of that, I think, you know, styles of breathing are part of that as well, the physical reactions we have and the way, you know, the physical stuff with the breathing. And so... I think thinking in terms of modes, then that we move in and out of modes, whether it's work mode or party mode or being stressed or anxious or calm, it it helps it to see well the breath actually you know isn't such a big jump from there that that's part of it all um, going together. And talk me through these modes because maybe you could describe for us a few modes and kind of what the different breathing responses might be. Yeah, so I think. for example, if someone's very anxious, like I always I find almost always when people are anxious, they tend to breathe high in the chest, often a bit gaspy. Sometimes they hold the breath, like if they're really stressed, sometimes for some people it can be a bit over breathing, like a bit panicky. But it tends to have that sort of style of breathing rather than breathing low and slow and diaphragmatically, which I'll teach people. So if someone's really anxious, often they're thinking anxious thoughts, you know, oh my God, what's going to happen? They're feeling anxious, feeling on edge. They've probably got more adrenaline and other stress chemicals in their system. Um, you know, they're looking for signs of danger. You know, we're geared towards that for anything threatening. But also the breathing patterns change. And it means if you can change one of those things, then maybe the others can change too. And so lots of psychology will look at helping people change the anxious thoughts, which is good to do. But you can use the breath as well. And so often fine if people are really anxious breathing like that, if, and I'll ask them to take a deep breath. And they tend, people who are very anxious tend when they take a deep breath to still breathe very high in the chest. So it's trying to breathe more fully. But um, in general, anxious people don't breathe out very much, so they can't breathe much more in. And so, if you like, their diaphragm is important that as it goes under your ribs. And if you can breathe out using the diaphragm, really extending the exhale, then you can breathe in more fully. And it has a physically calming effect. So that's that's sort of I suppose I've moved on to anxiety, but yeah, well, no, that, that's really interesting because I think so many of us, ex- I mean, all of us experience anxiety. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah, is a too. human experience, yeah. you know. I'll put my hand up, but you know, to greater or lesser extents, and at times that maybe you know we're wondering why someone else might not be experiencing anxiety in this situation. It's interesting to think that these two people or ourselves in different situations that our breathing pattern would actually change as a result of our experience or that, you know, vice versa, breathing changes might lead us to feeling more anxious in a situation and that we could actually see the breath being higher in the chest and Mm. less of an exhale or letting go that goes with it. So listeners right now, maybe you can be just noticing your breath because this is something we're doing all the time, breathing, Mm. but very rarely perhaps noticing. Yeah, and of course, if people are feeling anxious, they're focused on whatever they're anxious about rather than the breath, typically. But being aware of the breath, it means you can use it. And I I get anxious at times, and I'll Mm -hmm. certainly use it for myself. Slow, deep breathing and uh, extending the exhale, squeezing in the belly a bit on the exhale to extend it. Has a a calming effect. So a little squeeze in the belly on the exhale and extending that exhale, trying to draw the breath down in our bodies. What are some other common modes of breathing that we might be familiar with? (laughs) So I think um, what I find is often if 
with, with anxiety, there's a lot in common. If you see people who are feeling really sad or depressed, that can vary a bit. But often you find there's a sort of a, um, like a big sigh at times, a sort of slumping so that the chest is a bit compressed. You know, you can imagine that posture, people slumping a bit when they're feeling really down about something. Yeah. And, and, um, and then often not breathing in as much. I mean, it's an exaggeration, of course, but I sometimes say anxious people don't breathe out and depressed people don't breathe in. That's great heuristic. <laughs> Makes it easy to remember. Yeah, and I think if you think of it, if someone's, if you're really slumped, feeling down, often there's a big sigh and then um, and sometimes a pause before breathing in again and having that pause out, you know, often, you know, links with really flattened energy and so... You know, people, and you can imagine, you know, people, you know, old-fashioned advice, sort of, you know, sitting up tall and shoulders back. But as you breathe in more fully, it does tend to lift people's mood uh, a bit in doing that. That's interesting that it actually shifts our physical posturing. And there's there's vast evidence that our physical posturing affects our mood. So here we've got this change in our breathing that also affects our physical posturing. So these two different bits of input that might help shift yes. our, our emotional state. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think with all of that together, if you think of all, well, all of it's happening at once and the feelings associated with that, then yeah, they both can link together to help to sort of shift, to shift out of it, to lift a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a nice thing. That is a really nice thing. What about like, I guess, what would be a breathing pattern that we might say, oh, this is a more Effective. I guess it's going to be effective dependent on the situation, yeah. but a breathing pattern that maybe feels more energizing or what would that look like? Yeah. So I think, um, what it helps for people just to be really aware if they can of their diaphragm. I mean, if people are listening, this sheet of muscle that sort of goes across your body under the ribs, uh, and most people know it's there, but not everyone knows that it rests. It's really curved upwards like a, a bowl or a parachute so that those muscle fibers curve up. And as you breathe in, they sort of thicken and flatten and it pushes the belly out a little bit, pushes the lower ribs out a little bit. Because a lot of people, um, I think, you know, I'll often ask people to take a deep breath and um, a lot of adults just sort of breathe high in the chest. It's like we think oh, our lungs are up the top here and the breathing can be controlled by the diaphragm, by the muscles around the chest uh, or by a whole collection of muscles up around the neck and shoulders. And you can use all three and a really full energizing breath can use a full breath using all of that, but particularly using the diaphragm so that when you're breathing in, the diaphragm sort of pulls down, the lower ribs go out a little bit, the belly goes out a little bit, and then breathing out, the diaphragm floats up and you can squeeze in a bit to extend it, and including if you like to squeeze in the belly, particularly if people are anxious. But just breathing in and out using the diaphragm really makes a huge difference. It's like the diaphragm, so many people just aren't aware of it, and it's like this big gift waiting to be unwrapped. <laughs> like the more you can be aware of your diaphragm, it really helps for feeling calm and breathing in a nice way. So two good ways. So one, just breathing where you're breathing fairly fully, mostly with the diaphragm. So that pulls down, the air goes deep into the lungs, that fills up the rest of it on its, on its way, then breathing into the chest at the end. And then one, it can be just then letting go of the breath. The chest naturally pulls in a bit, the diaphragm floats in and up. And just doing that breath, like a relaxed exhale, um, is really calming and balancing uh, and gently energizing. And what they found in a whole range of recent research is very interesting. If you can breathe at about five or six breaths a minute, so five if you're sort of big bodied, six if you're smaller bodied, but at about that rate, so you're breathing in for about five seconds, out for five seconds, or in for six seconds, out for six seconds, it brings a whole range of things in the body into balance that um, we typically have these two systems, sympathetic nervous system, which is about fight or flight and being really activated. So it can be under threat or just being really activated. Then parasympathetic score, which is the rest and relaxed sort of system. And that sort of pace of slow, deep breathing just brings them really nicely into balance. Um, extending the exhale prioritizes the resting system a bit more, but having an even breath, it's nice, it's balanced. It also takes a, a weight of a load off the heart because it means your lungs more fully than act as an organ of circulation as the blood, not only the oxygen, but the blood flows in and out of your lungs that it helps. It takes pressure off your lungs. It releases, relieves tension in the body. 
uh, has a calming effect in a, in a really positive way. It has a whole range of sort of nice flow on effects. That's incredible. I mean, yeah. you know, it's interesting when you mention the nervous system because mm-hmm. l- listeners... I think probably have heard of, you know, the fight or flight response and the rest and digest response. It's certainly something that's come up in podcast episodes before, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. just to sort of refresh everyone's memory, Mm -hmm. it's tied back to the autonomic nervous system, which Mm is automatic and something we often don't get a lot of control over. Like Mm -hmm. if we're sitting here and trying to slow our heartbeats down, it's a difficult journey, (laughs) but here this breath is something that rests on the border of the conscious and the unconscious. And finding you know this this breathing pattern yes. you're describing the diaphragmatic breathing allows us by the sounds to change that whole system to really change what's happening physiologically in our bodies yeah it's great i think um because yeah the autonomic system is often thought as being out of our control and it also will control other digestion and so on but um yeah the breathing like that and what happens um there's the thing uh, you know i'm sure but the heart rate variability when you breathe slowly on the inhale typically the the heart rate goes up a little bit on the exhale the heart rate goes down a little bit and uh, having that gentle sort of variation is very healthy sometimes when people have had trauma they sort of get frozen in it and, and it doesn't happen as much so their heart and rate doesn't have that um, variability so, that shifting that we yep. might have in healthier states yes that's yeah. right and then it, it puts a load on the person and if people are really anxious and, and not breathing out much as i mentioned before or else breathing sort of quite quickly and high it doesn't give a chance for that sort of calming res- effect of the sort of longer slower exhale yeah. so it's sort of a, a nice thing to be aware of that that um, you know, just slowing the exhalations down can bring your heart rate down a bit and having that nice even flow for f- about five or six breaths a minute tends to be what the research is saying is being really good um, you know, brings everything into balance. That's really cool. So we can actually go, okay, you know, how how frequently, what should my breathing pattern be like? And we can actually kind of go, okay, is it sort of within this five or six breaths? Where are we sitting at as a way of yeah. monitoring how we might be going, how we yeah. might be traveling? Now, is the breath through the mouth or through the nose? How does this work? Yeah, yeah. So the mouth or nose is a really good one. And almost always, it's really good to breathe through your nose. Um, and yoga is very strong on that, apart from a, a couple of very small exceptions. So, and it, it's, it's a really good thing to be aware of because if you breathe through the nose, just a few things to, that you know, come up straight away. Your nostrils are smaller than your mouth, so it allows the flow of air to be regulated more evenly. You can sort of feel the flow of air more through your nose. It's easy if people breathe through the mouth just to sort of dump it all out very quickly <laughs> um, rather than slowing the breath down. And um, the, the nose, when you breathe through the nose, it... it the, it, the nose has all these sort of, you know, hairs covered in fine mucus and stuff. It sounds a bit gross, but it filters it <laughs> and it purifies the air and it has an antibacterial agent in it. So it helps you to stop you getting ill breathing through the nose. Um, it probably helps with, even with things like COVID, I would think, but they haven't proved that it's had a, a, a <laughs> it hasn't been enough effect. research in this unusual time. <laughs> yeah. And then it also, uh, they've found only in the last couple of decades, really, it releases more nitric oxide by breathing through your nose. It generates mm-hmm. this and that acts to dilate blood vessels and has a whole range of other sort of effects that are very good for circulation in the body okay so you mentioned nitric oxide so Mm -hmm. talk us through oxygen carbon dioxide and nitric oxide because this is an interesting interplay that i don't think all of us are aware of so oxygen is the first one and most people will know that one we need oxygen that's the fundamental thing um you know the most important thing on the planet really i think that you know a few minutes without oxygen and you're gonna you know shuffle off the coil so oxygen and breathing in breathes in oxygen and, and then it gets taken up through the red blood cells distributed through the body to the cells and breathing out, breathe out a carbon dioxide. So the cells, when they make energy for the body, um, use the oxygen and you know carbon dioxide is a waste product. But what people don't always know is that carbon dioxide, pretty much all the oxygen we breathe in gets taken up that way, whereas carbon dioxide in different forms, um, so, you know, there's a lot of it in the bloodstream that fulfills a whole range of different functions and it's more soluble in the bloodstream. So the oxygen is pretty much all taken up by the red blood cells, whereas carbon dioxide is partly taken up in the exchange, but also there's more of it in the bloodstream as carbonic acid and things like that. And um, 
the carbon dioxide as you breathe out it can exchange more sort of rapidly and when people breathe like a panic attack breathing really fast and shallow um, the oxygen the carbon dioxide level sort of decreases and it changes the sort of acid alkali balance of the body and if you breathe really slowly it builds up a bit and so it can change really quite rapidly and a lot of the desire to breathe is about <clears throat> carbon dioxide balance um, you know as that builds up you know as we need to have another breath so with the case of a panic attack mm. for instance mm -hmm. you know it, it's often described like this this feeling that you can't get enough breath so you're sort of describing people taking lots of um, oxygen in taking yes. these big breaths in but it changes the balance so that carbon dioxide is yeah. is off and that that's actually not very helpful in our system yeah, that, so that that creates so an imbalance and it yeah. makes it it seems some research is saying it makes the nerve cells more excitable if okay so it almost perpetuates outside. for instance yeah. a panic state <laughs> yes yeah and so that's why things like breathing into a paper bag in the past people would do because it you're breathing in and out and it allows the you're breathing in a bit more of the carbon dioxide you breathe out so it allows that to build up and then that has a sort of calming effect yeah. so over breathing can make people a bit excitable and that can happen sort of chronically for some people that they're over breathing a lot um you know over breathing and then you know keeping on edge so this um, is like a, a daily sort of breathing pattern for some yeah, of us yeah, yeah. so you, you know there's a difference between you know ongoing daily breathing and and then maybe using some styles of breathing you know for a few minutes as an exercise mm -hmm. um, but that can happen and um it's a bit of a contested area how much you know that happens and how much the body then compensates for it but it appears that if people chronically and some people if they've been panicked can over breathe and then the body has to sort of adjust to that a bit there was a recent swedish study that found a whole lot of young women who were hospitalized for depression and anxiety sort of had a chronic sort of over breathing pattern That's and it very linked um, with probably being sort of very much on edge and yeah. uh, and then under breathing of course if you're not breathing enough then um, you need the oxygen that's a crucial thing but the carbon dioxide levels um, you know build up and um, that has a calming effect but you know if you really under breathe it might make you sluggish as well like it might go too far the other way okay. but it can be helpful to be aware of because then if people are a bit panicked and over breathing just to you know hold your breath a little or take a pause between breaths can help reset some of those carbon dioxide levels quite quickly so it's, a, it's an interesting area it's really interesting it's really interesting <laughs> you know we hear so much about needing oxygen but actually we also need carbon dioxide yes, yes it's about having the balance the level of it right mm. because too much of it or too little makes your blood actually more acidic or alkaline and then that has a whole range of sort of flow on effects oh yeah i guess that would affect your whole your whole system your yes. whole biology because we are yes. essentially creatures who <laughs> yeah. you know soak up this nourishment that's passed through our um through our blood channels and systems and, and there is some interesting like there's some interesting research in hungary actually that suggests that you know large portions of the population really chronically sort of over breathe or under breathe and and then the, the way the body compensates for that sort of links to a, a whole range of you know a whole, modern issues from depression and anxiety conditions but to a whole range of um you know chronic sort of conditions in the modern world okay so, so like all, physical all health not, as well yeah not all yeah. fully proven but um it's an know, area of research by the sounds yeah it's getting more and more research so it's very interesting so then coming back to the nitric oxide so nitric oxide is more subtle i think okay. so oxygen obviously is a really really crucial one and carbon dioxide is much more powerful than people are aware nitric oxide is more subtle but it has a role in um sort of also um dilating the blood vessels is one of the main things and and you know so being able to breathe through your nose tends to have a good sort of calming effect and helps um, the um, you know blood flow uh, through the whole body which is good so there's a lot there's the sympathetic nervous system yeah. the parasympathetic nervous system you essentially our autonomic nervous system is mm -hmm. affected by breathing mm -hmm. and then it affects within our bodies mm -hmm. the different levels of yeah. I, I guess essentially like these chemicals are they are they considered chemicals <laughs> yeah well I mean they are chemicals yeah. and elements and, and act as sort of um information transmitting in a way the carbon dioxide if people are over breathing sometimes it can link with the gut being tired and things like that it tends to um, affect some of the smooth muscles 
in the system, uh, both carbon dioxide and nitric oxide. So it's a good reason to breathe through your nose. And the five or six breaths per minute, people will breathe more than that when they're not conscious of it. Like mm. the average rates are faster than that. But being able to stop and just doing some slow deep breaths is a really nice way to bring the body back into a good balance. A good reminder to stop to check in and also then using these breathing exercises at times when we might be more distressed. Mm. Now we sort of talked through the fight or flight experience. Mm -hmm. Mm. In your book, Mm. you go into polyvagal theory and Mm. also this freeze response. So Mm. would that be more like the depressed breathing? Like what is the, what is this? I guess, element of the vagus nerve, which, you know, if listeners haven't heard of this amazing nerve, this like giant yeah, is the biggest nerve in our body, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, the vagus that... nerve is quite extraordinary because it sort of links, um, it's like a frontal spine without the bone around it in a way, because it links the gut, the heart, lungs, and then a whole range of muscles around the face, voice, ears. And it's developed in an evolutionary way that it seems like very primitive creatures had this vagus nerve linked to the gut. And then over time, it's sort of developed in, you know, in mammals, and and it's linked to a fight or flight res- response into a calming response, and at an extreme, what can so, so it can override. So for mammals, including humans, like facial, it links with facial contact. So if people are feeling under threat, like a warm voice tone and a smile helps to be calming, and that's yeah. important for people, you know, working with other people, like in counselling. But you also see it like in you know puppies with their mums and lion cubs and all sorts that there's that sort of interaction and then it has this effect to be able to also calm down the the heart rate and that can be in balance you know day to day with you know stimulating but then it can also link with this more it's a more primitive sort of form that breathing to the belly sort of can stimulate the vagus nerve it seems in a calming way but if people are under real life threat then it's like there's a response that the body can have to take over so if you're under threat like see a you know tiger in the jungle there's often an instant sort of startle response where the whole body sort of freezes for a moment to look at you know what to do and then often there's this fight flight surge of adrenaline uh thing and people run away or fight if they're cornered but if you really can't fight if the predator's bigger than you and faster than you and you can't get away this freeze response kicks in where people become immobilized and um, and they're also mapping that out more. There can be a few different sort of forms of it, but not being able to run away. And that's helpful sometimes for people who've gone through trauma, if they've frozen, thinking what happened. Well, actually, it's your body's way of trying to keep you safe. Yeah, it's and not something that people are consciously doing. Yeah. It's something that I believe, you know, the yes. word for it that you use in your book based on um, Stephen Porges' work was, was neuroception, this yes, idea that your body right. just kind yes. of soaks up what's happening and makes a decision for you yeah and the neuroception it's um that your body will respond more quickly than you can think and then you sort of try to figure it out afterwards um and there are parts of the brain the amygdala in the center of the brain acts like an alarm system so you know sometimes if you see something like a stick on a path and and have a start or you know you have that before you figure out whether it's really a stick or a snake but also this freezing can happen where it's sort of can take over uh, if people are under, you know, severe threat in combat situations or, you know, being under assault or something like that. Yeah. So kind of given that experience of maybe having experienced a trauma freeze Mm. response, how can we use breath to, to heal from that experience? Because I guess then there's propensity to maybe freeze more in... And some, some people would use a phrase like parasympathetic shutdown, where you might not yeah. be totally freezing, but, you know, I think all, all of us, and I think, have, um, like, modes we go into easily. Mm. Like, if there's some sort of small social threat, you know, being a bit frozen or being a bit anxious or being a bit feisty. Yeah. Um, but if that happens, the breath can be helpful because being aware of the breath sort of brings you back into the body, helps you to take charge of it, moving into a controlled breath, So that might be, and if you want to lift your energy a bit, you focus more on the inhale. Um, If you, you know, are conscious of breathing a bit higher in the chest, using the diaphragm, but still filling up the top of the chest, tends to lift your energy a little bit, as opposed to if you're breathing lower in the chest, it tends to be calming in that sort of way. And what I really like um, is if people can, just to encourage people to play with their breath, that... um, because if you move into that sort of feeling a bit shut down or a bit frozen, if you can just breathe fully 
and take a controlled breath in and out. And the more you do it, the more you're able to do it as a muscular sort of action. You get aware of the, the diaphragm, whether you want to extend the exhalation, squeezing the belly in, like the inhalation, you don't squeeze the belly out, you just focus on the diaphragm, whether you use the rib muscles and the upper chest muscles. Because then you can use it under threat. And I know sometimes when I've been really, really anxious, you know, if I'm aware of it, because I'm used to the breathing, you can do that. And then it sort of takes it over, it just cranks it down, you know. I sometimes scale it, like if you're on a 9 out of 10 anxiety, it won't take it to naught, but it will take it down to a 6 or a 5. Makes it much easier to decide what to do. And if people are a bit frozen, then taking full breaths in, full breaths out, um, you know, tends to, you know, help to put you back in charge, to mobilize you again. Gives us a bit of control in a, yes, in a situation absolutely. that can be really difficult. And I, I'm yeah. sure a lot of us have had that experience of almost feeling a bit, well, maybe not all of us. I've certainly had yes. the almost frozen experience yes. in a social situation yes. where no words come out, which doesn't yeah, yeah. help you feel any more relaxed, yeah, does too. it? <laughs> yeah, it's a part of being human. But here we have this beautiful tool then if we're starting to take mm. those deeper, fuller, mm breaths that might mm. kind of help us or as you said if we need a bit more energy starting to to mm. do a little bit more of an inhale focusing on the the chest yes. rising as well and there can be a few another one for energizing is breathing sort of uh there's an eastern one from uh, in tai chi they use in qigong breathing more to just below the belly sort of pumping that a little bit as if the energy of the breath is going there and uh, the breath literally doesn't go there, sort of below and behind the belly, but breathing there tends to, the sort of thing people might do before they break bricks in yeah. karate, that tends to be energizing. And uh, also simple things like if you breathe more up the back of the body, that's subtle, so it takes a while to get, that's calming, very good before meditation. If you're breathing more at the front of the body, it's more emotional. So often people want to calm themselves not and not do that. But if you're wanting to release emotion because you're feeling a bit sort of blocked or stuck, then that can be helpful. That's a really interesting point. And it's interesting mm. what you said about, you know, before you break bricks in karate or something, that often in... It seems like in our Western society, we've been disconnected from our breath and from the utility that in other Mm. cultures and practices, this is Mm. a tool that people have been using, Mm. you know, for many, many years. And and sure, you know, it Mm. comes up in our our therapeutic work as psychologists. There's some breathing Mm. that we talk through, but... You know, you did, I think, an excellent job in, in your book of outlining all of the different, you know, strategies that we might be able to use for varying situations that it can be much more specific, whether it's breaking a brick or yes. a social situation, <laughs> you know, that there's there's different strategies depending on our nuances as an individual, as well as the situation we might be entering in and what we're hoping for. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And yeah, I think it, it can work in a whole sort of range of ways. And um, and, and I've done training as w- mostly in yoga, but also in uh, Qigong, the Chinese sort of energy systems. And they're very nice, I think, that um, at a subtler level, sort of away from the psychology, I guess, but of getting in touch with the energy, like they're very much in terms of the energy flows mm-hmm. through the body, and being aware of that and the breath can link with that and connecting with the energy um, you know of the earth and the heavens so that gets a little more out there for some people but certainly practices I really enjoy doing and and something that might bring us a sense of empowerment and connection we know Mm. that you know spirituality and a sense of connection Mm. in whatever model Mm. that we might feel connected to Mm. but that a, a sense of a broader connection is so so associated with our yes. well-being and our health yes. regardless of our culture so if there's a way that we can bring in a sense of connection a framework that works for us that sounds like an additional benefit this intentionality in the practice yeah absolutely and, and with uh, so one of the qigong chinese ideas that i love is that the, the earth likes our negative energy it recycles it like compost so there's a lovely practice I'll often do, just putting bare feet on the earth and then imagine drawing the energy of the earth up through your feet. There's a point there that they call the bubbling springs where the energy <laughs> sounds of the gorgeous. Earth up into your body and letting it come and fill your body, this beautiful earth energy, and then letting all the tension flow down into the earth and it recycles it. Oh. Or, or another way of releasing stress that I like, they say trees like it, like the trees recycle carbon dioxide to oxygen and just... All your stress, a forceful breath through first lips, it can be to just send all that energy out through a tree. 
I often send it out to our beautiful pomegranate tree. And we are, we are sitting in Craig's, <laughs> Craig's house right now with his pomegranate trees and all of his beautiful plants and trees around. What, what and, a and beautiful I might, practice. I might, and I might just add one more with the energy. What's fascinating, because energy hasn't had Western recognition, but it's been there in yoga and qigong and, and many Eastern traditions. But the beginning to measure it now, there's a center in America called the Heart Math Institute, like Heart Arithmetic, which I hadn't gotten onto before writing the book. But... They find they, they can measure that now. They're measuring a sort of energetic field of the heart. And so some of the practices, there's a nice one again from the Chinese tradition that I'll do and teach people just to imagine sending and receiving love to your heart. Imagine someone you love or something you love or something inspiring for you, like a beautiful landscape being in front of you and taking in um, a sense of love or, or a gratitude from that and then sending that out again and this, these heart math people do a very similar exercise and actually measure some of the heart energy and it sort of builds in doing that that That's... that the heart is is not just a pump but it also actually has like a its own little brain in there a nerve plexus it's linked with um you know endocrine sort of substances and energy so some of the energy stuff's getting a bit of western credibility now as opposed to people doing it because you know it works and they can feel it from an eastern perspective it's an interesting you know that um there there's this experiential element you know that yes. if we try it and we kind of know it to be true in ourselves yeah. and our experience we keep practicing but that being <laughs> creatures in this western framework we like to measure things don't we and and use that scientific framework which has benefits as well but how interesting that they're measuring it and actually sensing mm. like this energetic center of the heart mm. and what you describe is this this mm. breathing exercise essentially this meditation of sending receiving love yes. and, and that then pairs with perhaps like a loving kindness meditation yes, yeah, you know much. for which yeah. you know mm -hmm. we mm. know that there's measurable benefit in terms yes. of emotional well-being and empathetic capacity so all of this is like coming together isn't it yes. this is a really exciting time and, and it's funny because i mean i like the practices and do them because they feel good and yeah. and i'm sure you do too but you, you know in sort of writing about it you feel like you have to try to justify it in these other sort of ways and so loving kindness yeah then they'll that feels good to do it and people feel happier when they do it imagining you know their loving kindness and um but, you know, they're also putting people in MRI machines as they do it and seeing different parts of their brain light up. And so Which it gives is... it a Western credibility. <laughs> Incredible the way we do things, isn't it? And, and how brilliant connecting with nature as well. Mm. You know, we all would accept very broadly mm. that plants, trees... Mm you know, thrive off carbon mm. dioxide, as it turns out we do as well. Yeah. But but that if we send this, you know, negative energy to them in a nourishing way, it's a releasing from us mm. and allowing us to emotionally mm. let go. And a lot of us would have rituals perhaps when we finish a really difficult task or a difficult conversation or finish at work before we get home, something to kind of shift our state. This sounds like a really beautiful practice in that we're letting something uncomfortable unhelpful yes. for us go but in a really kind way and drawing something back as well as we know nature has a host of benefits for our well-being yeah i think so i really like it and and even i mean i think it is literal the energy but that even as a metaphor that just that sense of having a feeling of that connection and imagining that i think has a whole lot of nice flow and benefits and you also too you mentioned like breathing down low in some of these exercises mm -hmm. to gain a sense mm. of energy and power and yes. I, I, that then relates to something that I think we do hear a lot about in our society we do hear the term solar plexus or energy center mm -hmm. as well in sort of our gut area so I think that's an interesting metaphor as well mm -hmm. that I you know knowing some of the frameworks don't think is unexpected but mm. how how powerful in some mm. ways mm. no it's very nice I think and mm. um yeah and there are different energy systems that sort of um the, the chakras like um, in the in, in the yoga one but in, in the Chinese one they have like um, the lower energy center which is very much linked with vitality sort of in below and behind the navel then the heart center linked with sort of love and compassion and then in, in the, the brain sort of higher consciousness but um, yeah being aware of that sort of vitality and, and loving sort of energies that you can link that with the breath what you imagine sort of breathing in how are you using the breath with that 
Well, always with awareness. I mean, you know, people are really pumping their breath. They can maybe over-breathe a bit and, you know, that's Actually, okay for a little you, bit. Could you talk us through that? Maybe some of the risks or things we might need to be mindful of if we're starting a breathing practice. Yeah, and... I think for most breathing, we've got to breathe anyway, so it's a pretty safe thing to do. But just being conscious of it and trying to pay attention to your body. I mean, if you have any physical conditions, then maybe just check it out with your doctor, you know, if you're going to do any particular sort of patterns. I mean, you know, it really breathing... It, it, I don't in the book there are some Eastern techniques which are very very strong which I don't go into the book because I think you know then you need to check with certain conditions but just gentle if you're breathing to the belly like you might be cautious you know if you're pregnant give away I won't uh, be doing them right now <laughs> yeah. um, or, or if you had any particular issues in that part of your body just do it gently with awareness yeah. um, and where people do some other breathing where they're really you, you know I, I i just encourage people just to do it with awareness like um there are some of the eastern techniques where there might be long breath holds but i think never strain i mean all of these things should be done without strain yeah. so i think generally they're, they're pretty safe if you're doing them with awareness without straining noticing how you're feeling yeah. whereas if people hold the breath for a very long time you know having a pause holding the breath briefly people often do that anyway but if you're holding it for a really long time, then you want to be cautious with that. Holding the breath, you know, can link with raising your blood pressure. So if you have high blood pressure and you're holding your breath a lot, maybe that's not the best thing for you. Yeah. Um, so just, you know, sounds like the messaging gen, gen, is around general sort of self-awareness and yeah, common sense and I self-care think. by the yes, sounds, being yeah. kind to ourselves. Yeah. That if something isn't feeling right, we take a step back and check in and mm. go, go slow. That we don't mm. need to get to mm. any place immediately. That we can go slow with mm. developing our breathing skills as Mm. much as any other skill or practice in Mm. our lives Mm. where could we start could you talk us through i know that you know this is podcast format so listeners aren't going to be able to see what you're doing but maybe talk us through breathing exercise and then listeners head to craig's website because you do actually have a couple of videos up there where listeners can actually see some breathing demonstrations and Mm -hmm. have more visual guidance um so show notes it'll be linked in the show notes but we'll get greg's mm-hmm. details at yeah. the end but for now is there maybe a breathing exercise we could verbally talk through yeah sure so i think if people just want to sit tall in the chair or wherever they're sitting um you know just not sort of slumping it helps and just being aware of the diaphragm initially is nice so that if you put your hand just sort of across just underneath the ribs and then just trying to have that feeling, remember the diaphragm at rest is curved up a bit like a parachute and the muscle fibers are long there. So as it contracts, they thicken and pull down. So just trying to breathe, being aware of the diaphragm. Some people will be aware already, but, but some won't. So as you're breathing in, just trying to get that feeling that the belly goes out a little bit, the lower ribs go out a little bit, just to be aware of the diaphragm. And then as you breathe out, just relaxing, you can feel it goes in and up there's a natural elasticity then just squeezing in the belly a little bit at the end just to extend the exhale a bit then breathing in focusing on the diaphragm again if you can you're not pushing the belly out it would just naturally go out a little as the diaphragm pulls down thickens and flattens and then breathing out just allowing the breath out so we're just mostly relaxing here there's a natural elasticity is it Relax as the diaphragm goes in and up and just squeezing the belly in a little at the end. Breathing in and breathing out. And just seeing if you can feel that. The more you can be aware of the diaphragm, it really is really nice that it tends to be calming and centering. And we can do one more, just a little bit more elaborate. So again, sitting to what we're going to do in this is imagine breathing in a bit of a circle. So you're breathing up the back of the body, imagining as if you're breathing from the very, from the pelvis, from the very base of the spine, up the back of the body. Breathing up the back of the body has this calming effect. And of course the breath, the air doesn't literally go down into your pelvis, but it draws the diaphragm down at the back as a calming effect. Then letting the air come forward. I'm just describing it now. I'll talk you through it in a minute. So the chest sort of opens at the front opening the upper chest like that as you breathe tends to be energizing very good for vitality and then squeezing in down the front at the end squeezing in the belly and then at the end of it pulling the pelvic muscles in and up a bit now it can seem like they're a long way 
from where your lungs are, but they're very common in Eastern practices that it just sets up this flow of exhalation and it's really nice for the energy in the body. So just all breathing out together and then breathing in. Imagine that you're breathing in up the back of the body. The breath is flowing up the back of the body and then up the back of the ribs and then coming forward. So the upper chest expands at the end of the inhale and breathing out, just relaxing to start with. The chest goes in a bit, then breathing out, squeezing in the belly and particularly the lower belly muscles and then squeezing the pelvic muscles in and up. Then breathing in, up the back of the body. Finishing at the front of the chest, coming forward and then breathing out, down the front. Just relaxing to start. Then squeezing in the belly, just very gently and pulling the pelvic muscles in and up a bit at the end of the exhale. Then breathing in again up the back. The belly doesn't really release, it releases a little bit, you don't push it out at all. Breath going up the back of the body. You can feel the back ribs expand a little bit. Coming forward to the front of the chest, then breathing out down the front. At the end of the exhalation, squeezing in the belly, pulling in and up the pelvic muscles and breathing up the back again. And just in silence, just do a couple more rounds of that, just doing that as slowly as feels comfortable for you. Amazing to me um, how it brings yeah. in a visual element. But sorry, mm. no, no, that's fine. And just just finishing with it, um, with it at the end of the next inhale, and then just letting go, just relaxing. My reflections. It's a bit hard to know how long to leave a pause. Yeah. Maybe we're driving. Hopefully, you didn't yeah. close your eyes like I did. But, um, <laughs> well, but you, you can always yeah, come back to it. Yeah, so don't do it while you're driving. We can jump in. Eyes we can leave a, leave a memo <laughs> before it. But, but I think I think that's really interesting because it. For me, I had this really interesting experience of like starting to notice and like mm. look into mm -hmm. my body, yeah. which yeah. cultivates this other awareness yes. and connection, as well as, you know, the effect that the breath is physiologically having. I feel like this is a real beautiful yes. gateway to getting to know ourselves. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, that's a wonderful point. I'd really agree with that. And I think the breath can be a really nice gateway into just that simple joy of being in your body. I think that ideally, and, ho and hopefully the breathing can lead to this and some meditation leads to this, just that sense of being able to close your eyes and have that sense of inner peace and just being there in touch with your body and that body awareness hopefully can feel really peaceful and joyous. And I know clinically working as a psychologist, like that's not always the case, you know, that some people, you know, have other issues that they're dealing with and different reactions can and maybe it's starting up, with but, eyes open a little but, but, bit as but in, well but. yeah they can keep their eyes open doing that mm. but also the idea that well as you practice it more you get more in touch with your body you get more comfortable with your body if people have gone through bad trauma sometimes their body reactions can be a bit frightening and so you know you go gently with this i, I think the other um things can happen occasionally if people have had some sort of trauma when they relax sometimes there can be a bit of a paradoxical it's, it's not very common but it's sort of tensing up and feeling a bit unsafe so just sort of you know easy way through that if that happens that won't happen for many people and i guess in that but case yeah. you know kind of given a significant history it might be advisable to work with a professional generally yeah. as well as in these exercises so mm. that you have that sense of support and mm -hmm. You know, for a lot of us, it's going to be learning these techniques and grabbing a copy of Purposeful Breathing. <laughs> and, and there, you know, you describe in such rich detail all of the underlying philosophy, science behind these practices. And I was saying to Greg that I found it really easeful to read because he brings in the science, but he presents it in, in English, like in a really useful language to read, which makes for easier reading. And also there's some wonderful pictures kind of displaying these breathing exercises and talking us through this practice. So we too might then be able to create this place of refuge, a breathing practice with intention mm. that we can turn to regularly as a check 
second point, as well as using these strategies in difficult situations and situations where we might need like an afternoon pick me up as a substitute if we can't well, get a coffee. Or oh, no, I think a pick me up is great. And I think the more you play with it, because, and, and for people who do get very anxious, which I use a lot with, like in the space of one or two breaths, once they're used to it, of taking diaphragmatically and extending the exhalation, slowing the breath down, like it goes from that eight or nine on a scale down to five or six and, and lower. And so you can use the breathing, all sorts of different breathing to try these different patterns, you know, breathing more fully. It can be done very slowly or you can breathe in a more muscular fashion to pump yourself up a bit as well. There are different ways to energize. So it's a really nice thing to be able to um, use, like as a break from work, to, you know, just sitting at the desk. Um, people don't smoke much anymore, which is good. But sometimes when <laughs> I have people else. who do, I say instead of having a smoke, I go and have a breath o, that you can go and um, just do some breathing, you know, just go out and get away from the desk and do a couple of minutes, you know, just doing some controlled breathing to energize or to calm or to focus. Or as a snack, you know, instead of having a biscuit, like you can do some of these different breaths to lift yourself a bit or to energize. So it's really nice, I think, and the more you play with it, the more you're familiar with it, the more it becomes available to you. If you do want it in stressful situations and the more it can be a practice, like I do a practice every day of at least half an hour, which I'll begin with controlled breathing and then move into meditation. And the breathing in itself is a form of meditation, just being aware of the breath. So, you know, you can do it it's for so half versatile. a minute, or you can do it for half an hour, or you can do it for longer. Yeah, so mm. depending on your needs, your unique situation, mm. maybe this can be our little action in addition to coming back and checking out these breathing exercises when you are perhaps able to sit down and engage in them. But but to actually reflect on what your schedule's like, your day and your needs, and how you might incorporate some of these breathing exercises in as snacks, as breaks, as meditation, whatever it might be for each of you. So Greg, how can how can listeners connect with you, contact you? What's the what's the best way? Um, yeah, if they want to contact me, they're very welcome to. I have a small website called mindbodymodes.com. So written as one word, mind, body, modes. Um, I have a email, Greg Smith Psychology, written as one word, at gmail.com. So I'm very happy for people to send me an email if they'd like to. Yeah, so, beautiful. Yeah. And I will put the links in the show notes. So listeners, you can always head there to grab them as well. But definitely, if you're a visual person, check out the videos um, on Greg's website and grab a copy of Purposeful Breathing, of course. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today, Greg. Thank you for having me, Caitlin. That was great. Absolute delight. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I think Greg's capacity to bridge the East and the West is quite incredible. And I also hope that you enjoyed that breathing practice. You'll be able to find the breathing practice itself just as a little download on my website, drcaitlin.com, and then just click through to Greg's interview. If, of course, you have any questions or comments, please reach out. You can find us on Instagram at drcaitlin or on Facebook at Wisdom for Wellbeing Pod or at drcaitlin. All right, I will look forward to connecting in your earbuds next fortnight. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us this week on the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast. Please visit drcaitlin.com to connect, find show notes, other episodes, and to subscribe. While you're at it, if you find value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating or perhaps simply tell a friend about the show. Wisdom for Wellbeing is not a substitute for professional, individualized mental health treatment. If you are in crisis, please contact 000, your local emergency number if you are outside of Australia, or attend your local hospital ED.